From the EPR Creation Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples, bringing you the Hot Takes Edition after Florida State takes care of business 59-3 over a overmatched and really bad UMass team. But, you know, all that said, this was a bad UMass team that did manage to win a game earlier in the year, which is amazing. I mean, what they have something like 53 or 55 scholarship players. They're still building the program in terms of their move up from FCS, which they never should have done. And this is frankly a UMass team. That's worse. They're not as good as the Jacksonville state team that Florida state lost to on the last play of the game earlier in the year. Nevertheless, the difference between those two games and the difference between say UMass and that Jacksonville state team is not actually very large. The difference between the two games, I think shows a lot about how much growth Florida state has, has had over the course of the year. Uh, and it's more about just learning how to play and how to, uh, take care of business situationally and, and just playing a physical brand of football where Florida state took care of business in that respect. I mean, the execution was not great in this game. Florida State, you know, from the fumble on the kickoff return to some key drops and missed throws and a few missed blocks up front, different things like that. It was not a a clean performance for Florida State, but it was a dominant one. And one in which you could see uh, a team that basically exerted its will against a team that was overmatched and and took care of business physically and just out physicaled the team that they were playing against and basically took care of things that way. And that's what Florida state teams should be doing against undermanned against uh, inferior competition, which this was. And you could see that in terms of not just the scoreboard, but on the day, 9.8 yards per play on the offensive side, that's a day that's pretty decent versus 4.0 yards per play given up by the defense. It's not, amazing against an, an offense that's that limited, but you know, you can live with it better actually to look at the, through the third quarter numbers, because by the time you got to about the five minute mark in the, uh, it was a four when they scored at the, uh, toward the end of the third quarter. And after that, basically they emptied the bench and through the third quarter, Florida state was averaging 10.9 yards per play and was giving up 3.4 yards per play, which is healthy on both sides of the ball at that point. And then in the fourth quarter, Florida State just trying to run the clock out, basically 4.2 yards per play in UMass with 5.2 yards per play in the fourth quarter against a combination of backups and walk-ons and so on. So all told, basically what you would hope for in a lot of ways uh, coming coming into this game uh, in terms of how this team looked. Now, that said, a success rate of 40% on average, which means, again, you're getting expected you're getting the the yardage that basically puts you on pace for a first down uh each time 40 percent now that's that's basically average and that's certainly not great against a, a team as bad as umass so you could see that on a per play basis or a consistency basis this was not a great performance and the execution was really not there for florida state but they did have a bunch of big plays and that basically is where this game, you know, you again, you could just see the physical difference. They took that and and ran with it. I mean, big play numbers, 21 big plays for 484 yards. Uh, yeah, that that'll get it done. And that's basically why uh, this game wasn't competitive. They did give up only a 20 percent success rate, which is that's actually pretty decent, even against a, a, a team as bad as as uh, UMass. 
the, the place you'd really like to see some continued improvement here is they still Florida State still had nine runs stuffed, basically no gain or, or a loss in this game. Just 20% of the runs run calls that they had in this game. That's not good enough. Uh, and again, continuing to get better in that in that respect. But the way that they're that they're doing things offensively, they're willing to trade some of those right now for some of the the bigger runs, and uh, and they are springing some big runs right now. So now, of course, the most important thing coming out of this game, other than taking care of business on the scoreboard, no significant injuries. You're going to go into the Clemson game with a healthy offensive line. They, they didn't play either of their two offensive guards, each of whom were. They could have played today, but they chose to hold them out. They had, you know, decent enough backups there to give those guys another week, basically, to have them ready for Clemson. And now you're going to go into the Clemson game with a pretty healthy offensive line, a healthy Jordan Travis, and your running backs are ready to go. It's about as much as you can ask for going into a Clemson game with a team that, as I record this, is going to be in a dogfight, or they are in a dogfight with, uh, with Pittsburgh. And they're going to come out of that banged up, and that's going to be a bit of a war. So you're going to be playing a a, a Clemson team off of a very hard game with a, a group that has that is as healthy as they've been all season. Actually, they're healthier than they they're healthier now than they were coming out of camp in, in terms of the offensive line, in terms of Jordan Travis, and some of these other uh, other situations. Now, defensively, they've obviously lost a few pieces, but you're going to go in as healthy as you could ask for, and that's the most important thing coming out of this. Not really a ton to talk about other than just looking at how some of the youngsters looked once they got into the game. And, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, rewinding and rewatching plays, looking at each individual as I could uh, during during the end of this one, uh, since there really wasn't a whole lot of reason to do otherwise. Uh, and you could see some of these young guys or the backups that that really looked good and Chubba Purdy. Certainly looked the best that he's looked since he's been at Florida State. Five for five for 98 yards, two touchdowns, and more importantly, locating the ball pretty well. Uh, the only only throw that he threw that was not really right on the money, right right where you would want it to be thrown, was the deep deep shot uh, that that wound up with the pass interference in the in the end zone. That ball was was not located quite as well as you'd like, and it was thrown I think just a touch late. But overall a good outing for Purdy uh, showing that, you know, he can, he can actually make the throws necessary in this offense and uh, giving him something to work with and build on in terms of confidence in, uh, in having gotten some, some good reps in front of an actual crowd and with live bodies, even if they're not very good bodies flying around that, that was very encouraging. I think for Florida state uh, for Chubba Purdy and, and just looking forward to when they're going to need to have, some other options at the quarterback position and moving and building for the future. Uh, I thought DJ Williams looked decent when he was in there, uh, showed good patience overall as a runner, uh, decent burst. You know, you can see why he's third right now on that depth chart, but, uh, but brings some, some size and thump to him, uh, to the, to the game as well. I thought Lloyd Willis, uh, he was a guy I was watching very closely early on in and throughout, uh, Again, he's not going against very good competition, but I just want to see, does he look more and more like he's going to grow into an offensive lineman instead of just an athlete? And, and I think he looks like he's developing. And that's really encouraging because that's a guy that is a really good athlete. And he has the profile of one of those guys who comes in as a super raw guy as a freshman and then by year three or four is starting to look like a legit player, like a you know an all-conference type player just because the athleticism 
is starting to translate with the coaching that he's getting. And he's starting, I think he's starting to develop a little bit. And that's, that's a really good sign. Uh, Zane Herring didn't look so, didn't look too bad. He looked like he's got some down the line potential could still, uh, recompose his body just a little bit. Going to give a shout out to walk on David Stickle, who played at, at center, uh, played multiple drives and, and actually played pretty well. What's amazing is he's listed at 253 and looking at him, I'm not sure he's even that heavy and he still managed to, to fight and hold his own for the most part inside. And, uh, you got to give him credit there, but that does again, show that you really have to make sure that you've got more depth at, at center for the future with, with bigger bodies, uh, with scholarship guys long-term, but, uh, good for him to get out there and, and, and get some reps. Uh, I thought defensively Kushney flashed and, and continued to, to show that he's got some pass rush capacity when some of the, uh, when some, when the starters aren't on the field, I thought 16 Hunter Washington moved. Well, I, I liked his feet at corner, uh, could be a little, could have been a little more physical on a couple of the tackle, uh, assists that he was in on or missed. But uh, I, I actually was pleasantly surprised or pleased at least. I don't know that surprised, but I was pleased with what I saw from Washington there. Uh, TJ Davis, you could see, is, uh, has gained significant weight. Uh, he's eaten himself under the inside, but he still moves pretty well despite getting a real earful from Odell on the sideline there. Uh, another guy that just kind of wonder what his future might be given his athletic profile and, and as he's gained some weight and so on. Curious to see what happens with him. Uh, I thought 85 Mar- uh, Marquiston Douglas looked like an athlete. I mean, I, that I, I was really pleased by what I saw from him. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with him as well. I mean, they've got a ton of tight ends on the roster. They, th- that's really important for them, but is he going to be, is he going to stick there? Or is he a guy that depending on what happens recruiting wise, do you move that guy to, to defensive end? Or, you know, I, I, again, I think he's got, a pretty good athletic profile at the tight end position and, and uh, was he blocked some defensive ends one-on-one again, these are UMass defensive ends. So you kind of have to grade on a curve there, but looked good doing it and uh, looked strong. And, you know, again, looked like a good athlete. A uh, couple other things. I mean, I think we saw why Demory Tate hasn't played yet. I mean, he continues. He's, he's just really raw. Uh, still, you can see the athleticism there and uh, still have hope that he's going to develop. It's just you can see at this stage why he hasn't played yet, uh, just in terms of some of the rawness at, at corner. Uh, 44, Joshua Farmer, he's got a long way to go. You can tell he just he's put on too much weight too fast, and he's going to have to grow into that weight. This offseason is going to be really important for him to be in the best condition and to really get his quickness back after after putting on all the weight that he has. He, he was just too easily blocked on the inside, and you could see he got winded uh, really quickly and pursuit overall just was not at the level that it needs to be still learning to chase and, 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 uh, give a hundred percent once the ball's downfield. And and we didn't quite see that. And I think that's why Odell was getting on him toward the end. There's basically son, you got to be in shape and you got to be able to get to the sideline and not look like you're about to die. Uh, and you know, that's, uh, that's there, but at the same point, you do have a decent, uh, you've got a pretty good athletic profile for once he actually does kind of get used to carrying that weight. I think uh, there, there's some really good tools to work with there. So I'm, I'm interested to see what Odell's going to going to be able to do with him at that spot. Of course, the backup linebackers got picked on particularly uh, 53 Cortez Andrews and 32 Steven Dix. Uh, both of those guys uh, 
had some trouble in coverage and you could see UMass went at them over and over again. And that's where they got the bulk of their, uh, their, their yardage in the, uh, in the, in the fourth quarter was when those guys were on the field and they just weren't taking the best angles against the quarterback after they'd been in coverage. And then they also had some trouble in coverage and it just emphasizes further emphasizes the need that Florida state's going to have to continue to improve what it's able to do with the linebacker position in terms of coverage and, in terms of being able to to uh, have some more depth and at that position, either through improving the guys that, that that are there, or through upgrading in terms of recruiting, and I think you really need to do both there. But overall, this is a pretty good pretty good outing. There's not a whole lot more to say about it. I, I think you've got to be uh, if you're Mike Norvell, you've got to be thrilled that there's plenty on tape that you can rip into your guys for this week for you know poor execution and different things. I mean, you never want poor execution. But there's lots of things in a 59, uh, 59 to three win that you can rip rip on your guys for saying, look, if you do this against anybody else, this is gonna this is gonna cost you. Uh, you at the same point have your guys feeling confident and everything else going into a a game where you're gonna have as good a chance against Clemson as you could have imagined coming into the year. And so uh, this is gonna be a really interesting week. They're gonna have a chance to to push hard. They found out some things about some backups as well. And we're going to see what, what things look like next week with a fully healthy team coming out of this, uh, what, what effectively will have been a three-week preparation for Clemson. And uh, lots, to, lots, to be, lots of intrigue coming into that game against a Clemson team that struggled to score. And a Florida State team that, I mean, much as we say UMass is a bad team, they did score 59 uh, against that bad team. And I'm not sure they could have scored 59 against Air. Uh, say week two, week three of the season, the just the ability to do anything even against there was just not necessarily there. This is a team that's starting to take on the personality, the the character of its coach, playing more physical. It's going to be interesting to see down the stretch as they're playing teams that definitely can match up with them. But are they going to be able as they uh, as they go down the stretch to to win, say three more games to be able to make a bowl? It's possible. There's not a team on the schedule this team can't beat from here, though there's maybe not a team on the schedule you'd necessarily favor this team over right now either. So good overall outing. If you're Mike Norvell, you're pleased by what you what you saw for the most part and pleased by where this this puts you in terms of health and in terms of being able to prepare for uh, one of your rivals this week. We'll go ahead and wrap there. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.